TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. You know, my uh, 91-year-old dad, Fulker, who you hear on Mm -hmm. CCO all the time telling stories and trying to learn the lessons of history, um, he said a lot of things that struck me as interesting. But he said, look, I survived Hitler. I survived Lenin. I survived Stalin. Um, he said, many Americans take their freedom for granted. I will never, ever take my freedom for granted. And right now, people living in Ukraine, which wants to be sovereign, they want to determine their own destiny, certainly moving towards NATO. They're not a member of NATO today, but they, they want democracy. They want the same things that many of us want and some of us take for granted. So we have questions. And uh, Jeff McCausland, military analyst for CBS News, does an amazing job breaking this down, providing perspective. And uh, we're so happy to have him here. Hey, Jeff, welcome back. Hey, Paul, I got to say at the top, your father's a very wise guy. I heard what you just had to say. You know, you're exactly right. I got a message to give an example from a colleague of mine who's a retired Ukrainian colonel, was assistant was deputy defense minister to Ukraine for a while. He's in Kiev, and I was calling and contacting him to make sure he and his wife and family were safe. He told me in response that my wife and I are going to stay here, and then he wrote, we're going to live free or we're going to die right here. Oh. And that kind of underscores exactly what you just said. And also, you know, it's a worry when you think about it. I noticed that a couple of years ago, the number of years the Berlin Wall has now been down is more years than it stood. So if you're an American who's 35 or even 40 years of age, you can hardly remember the Berlin Wall. You can hardly remember the Cold War. You can hardly remember any of those things. But once again, sadly, as your dad pointed out, we're back in that type of a controversy and a crisis. Hey, Jeff, it's Jordana. Thanks for joining us. And it was just listening to, you know, CBS News at the top of the hour. It feels like the situation in Ukraine on the border is is fluid. Can you just sort of update us with the very latest? What sure. is what is happening there? Well, militarily, what we see, Jordana, is frankly, the Russian military forces making more and more preparation for an invasion. Roughly 75 percent of the forces they have arrayed on the northern border, the eastern border and the south are what I would call moving into or already in what I would say are attack positions, having moved from marshalling positions. They have about 190,000 troops arrayed uh, around the Ukraine. And the last couple of hours, we've gotten information of more information about loading of amphibious ships. I think there might be an amphibious assault on the southern coast of the Ukraine, as well as loading of airborne forces. And then, of course, yesterday was the end or supposed end 
of this joint operation with Belarus, training operation on Belarusian territory. The Russians announced, of course, those forces were going to stay there. And it's only about 100, 150 miles from the border with Belarus to the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. And so if an attack occurs, I think we might expect it coming from the north towards Kiev uh, and in combination with Belarusian forces just to make this situation even a bit worse for the Ukrainians. Mm. Hey, Jeff, uh, Putin just recognized this area, these two separatist areas in Ukraine. He already (laughs) controls by, you know, claiming to stop a genocide that is not happening. There's no evidence of any genocide. I want to ask you specifically 190,000 troops on Ukraine's border to recognize supposedly the independence of these separatist republics. But these troops aren't anywhere near the Donbass. Is this going to be the first step in a large-scale Russian military operation to impose regime change? Do they just want those two areas in southeastern Ukraine? Or if they go in, it's going to be a clean sweep and they want to take Ukraine back to Mother Russia? No, I think it's going to be more in the direction of a clean sweep because we have to match up political ends with military resources. The military force arrayed is a is a is a resource, but the end state is to ensure that a government emerges in Kiev that is more subservient, obviously, to the Russian Federation. Something like Lukashenko in Belarus, who basically does whatever Mr. Putin tells him to do. So the question is, what military move? Do you take the whole country? Do you just take the capital? Or can you occupy those two provinces, maybe some of the southern portion of Ukraine that would allow you to connect as a land bridge between Russia proper and Crimea? Would that affect the undermining and destruction of the government? But ultimately, it's the destruction of the government in the Ukraine and bringing in a government that's subservient to Moscow, which is the political end state that Vladimir Putin, in the short term at least, is trying to shape. Hmm. Okay. Jeff, where does the U.S. stand right now and what happens if we do see an invasion overnight? Well, as the U.S. stands right now, is of course, it's trying for a diplomatic effort, I think, and there's supposed to be a scheduled meeting on Thursday between Secretary of State Blinken and Foreign Minister Lavrov somewhere in Europe. This announcement that was just made about the recognition of these two uh, statelets, if you want to call them that, uh, may compromise the possibility of that even happening. And then secondarily, of course, last night, there was word that President Macron of France had set up at least tentatively a potential summit meeting between Mr. Biden and Putin to discuss the crisis. The White House said they would support that, but only if the Russians did not invade. Well, now things seem to be moving very rapidly towards the military option for the Russians. So I think the possibility of that as a diplomatic avenue is also closing rapidly. Jeff, let me ask you a question that I've gotten from a couple of people who should know better but they, they basically look at what's happening in Ukraine and Russia and they shrug and they say, hey, I'm just trying to get through the week. You know, I'm just trying to get, th- you know, keep my job, keep my kids out of jail. Um, why should I care about what's happening in Ukraine? How would you answer that question based on what you know right now? I'd go back to your dad, frankly, Paul, and I'd say, do you recall back in 1938, then Prime Minister of Great Britain, uh, Neville Chamberlain, went to Munich and met with uh, Adolf Hitler? And Hitler claimed, well, I need these particular portions of of Czechoslovakia because there are ethnic Germans that are living there. In fact, my wife's parents were living there as children at the time, coincidentally enough. Uh, I mean, if I get that particular part, I'll be satisfied and we'll all live in peace forever. 
Chamberlain returns to London, gives an impassioned speech about peace, you know, peace in our time. Uh, and we know the sad, the sad result of that. Yeah. So anybody that thinks for a minute that Vladimir Putin would be satisfied with this particular part of the Ukraine or bringing the Ukraine in general back under his control has never has never examined any of those historical examples which were being played out here. Ultimately, Putin has the following goals. One is to undermine the United States leadership and the, the legitimate uh, liberal democracies as we know them in general. Number two is to drive fissures between the United States and its NATO partners and basically destroy NATO. And number three, exercise full control over these countries in Eastern Europe that comprise the Soviet Union. Maybe not, complete, uh, not recreate the map of the Soviet Union, but at least control those places. This all began in 2004 when he said the end of the Soviet Union was the greatest catastrophe of the 20th century. I actually thought World War One and World War Two were kind of bad. Yep. And he has been following a steady strategy to accomplish those goals ever since. So, Jeff, this is a, a big bet uh, on Putin's part. If, in fact, he does go into Ukraine, I, I hope he's not stupid enough to uh, tamper with NATO states that were former, former Soviet states like Romania and, and Bulgaria and Poland. I, you know, people ask, well, where is it going to lead? Is it a slippery slope? But it's a big bet on the part of Vladimir Putin, and it could bring him down if he fails. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. You know, people talk about these things as chess games. I can tell you, having done this in the White House and the Pentagon, no, this is this is a poker game, five-card draw, and he's just pushed all his chips to the center of the table. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on here. Uh, as far as how far he goes, well, the administration has been pretty clear that we're going to defend every inch of NATO and put NATO forces in those particular countries that border the Russian Federation. So he clearly understands that crossing any territory that belongs to NATO would incur an immediate response by the United States and its NATO partners. And then this whole thing could escalate anywhere, uh, even up to central nuclear exchange, which I'm pretty confident he doesn't want to get into. But the other question is your point. Can he be successful? And I think his problem is going to be, while he may have enough troops, 190,000 or whatever the number is, to defeat the Ukrainian military, I don't think he's got enough troops, back to my friend in Kiev, to occupy the Ukraine, who are going to fight or a much better army than they were in 2014. And there are 40 million Ukrainians, and it's the size of Texas. You know, the Russians went through an anniversary a couple weeks ago, which was the anniversary of their withdrawal from Afghanistan. In their 10 years in Afghanistan, they suffered 25,000 killed in action far more than the United States suffered over 20 years. They understand what fighting and insurgency is all about, and that's what they might be taking on if they decide to occupy the entirety of the Ukraine. And there have been some rumblings in, the, in, the, in Russia uh, among senior retired officers I've seen on websites saying that this is crazy, our problems are domestic, and as you suggest, that Putin might actually bring himself down uh, in the process. Wow. Okay. And Jeff, forgive my naivete, but it seems that we are, I know we talked diplomacy, but that doesn't seem to be working. Is the U.S. eventually going to get wrapped up in this militarily? Well, you know, diplomacy is like dancing. It takes two to tango. And while we might want to do diplomacy all we want to, if our opponent does not, yesterday Mr. Putin said a summit, and then today he recognizes he's two statelets. doesn't suggest to me that he's interested, and he continues to expand his military forces. 
will the United States get involved militarily? Well, first of all, the president said no U.S. military forces are physically going to go on the Ukraine and defend Ukrainian territory and confront Russian troops. That's been taken off the table from the very beginning. That being said, economic sanctions will be administered in the harshest possible way. We'll see Russia denounced, I think, in every political forum you can think of on the planet, and Mr. Putin becoming a pariah. And then thirdly, we'll see more and more U.S. and NATO forces being deployed to Eastern Europe, particularly the countries that border the Russian Federation, which is what makes this whole thing kind of crazy. If Putin argues, as he has, that his concern is NATO forces on the borders of the Russian Federation, that might be, to some form, a legitimate security discussion. By invading the Ukraine, the result for him is he's going to get more doggone U.S. and NATO forces on his border than he ever imagined. And if nothing else, I mean, the cost, if, if he moves in tonight or whenever, if Russian forces move in, gas is going to spike, right? I mean, that's a practical short-term outcome uh, worldwide. We're going to be paying more for a lot of things, including energy, correct? Well, absolutely correct. I mean, the Russian Federation, I think, pumps about 10 million barrels a day on the world market and is the second or third largest oil and natural gas producer. So there's no doubt about it. When that happens, you're going to see oil prices spike, I would say $110, $120 a barrel, which you're going to see translate very quickly to prices at the pump. Frankly, we're going to see the stock market will probably suffer because stock markets do not like instability. That's just the nature of the beast. And then the other question is, if we get into some kind of escalation with the Russians, does that then transfer into other domains? Don't forget, this war will not only be fought in air, land, and sea. It'll be fought in cyber, and it could be fought in space in terms of blinding satellites, perhaps cyber attacks on the United States. I'm not predicting those will happen by any means. I don't want anyone to worry about it unnecessarily. But should we escalate, those are the domains in which we might see escalation by the Russians. Okay. Terrifying and educational, Jeff. We we appreciate you so much. Thank you for breaking this down for us. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. My pleasure. Take care. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.